Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Thanks everyone. Thanks Pastor Christian and Melissa for having me. And great to see you all. How are you doing this morning? Right. I don't know what you did in life to be called to Noosa, but I want to do it. Uh, I was driving here this morning and just looking out, the, the, the sun was out, the waves were crashing, and uh, it made Brisbane look pretty dreary. But um, hey, great to be with you, and thanks so much. Feel a privilege to, to be with you this morning and just share a few thoughts. And, and I had a great uh, time with the guys last night. Who was there last night? Or the guys, give us a wave. Thanks. I mean, you've got to put pizza on, have a pool and a bonfire, and you've had a good night. So thanks, Matt. That was fantastic last night. Thanks for hosting us. But, um, you know, it's great. I love I love that, you know, again, church can be church again. I think over the last 12 months, 18 months, we've all experienced different things in our world. And it's great to gather again, come together. As Christian said, let's not forsake that and just look better together. And I want to touch on some of that this morning. Um, but yeah, just a little bit about me, and thanks for reminding me, I turned 40 in two weeks' time, and um, I realised the other day, I was talking to a friend in Adelaide, and I said, do you realise we're middle-aged now? And, uh, and I, I read an article, actually, uh, the other day that said, middle-age is actually 60 now, so if you're 60, you're just in your middle age, so let's go again. And uh, so I'm not there yet, I'm but a goose, child by name and child by nature, I say. Look, uh, five kids. Uh, a wife, uh, as Christian said, then you probably can see there. That was a couple of weeks ago. Christian said, we got a photo of the family, and that was just a couple of weeks ago. That's the latest. So uh, my wife in the middle, Crystal. Uh, Noah at the back on the right-hand side. He's 16. We've got Jude sort of in the middle. He's 14. Honor is 11. Uh, she's my only girl in the middle. She runs the show. Uh, Sage, who's five. Um, he's obsessed with food. Um, his love language is eat, uh, and then Abel, who's three, and uh, all very different uh, personalities and uh, a great family. I love them dearly, and I love leaving home in the morning. Uh, no, 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 it's chaos. Life is busy. I have a great wife, and um, you know, it's funny when you've got many kids because what tends to happen is uh, people say, Oh, you've got five kids, and they kind of look at you weird. And actually, I noticed that last night, I was talking to a few guys, as soon as you found out. Wives, they went the other way, so it's sort of it, it's not contagious, okay. But um, uh, yeah, it, it's good. We have a lot of fun. We never thought we'd have five kids. My wife actually had a dream. I was telling Christian that over breakfast this morning. My wife had a dream when we had three children of a little blonde-haired, round-faced boy sitting on the bed. She came to me one day and said, "Ben, I really feel like God's speaking to you about my first job." And I knew it wasn't of the Lord. And I said, I said, hey, look, let me pray about it for two weeks. Fully knowing I was not going to pray about it. And uh, three days later, she came to me with a pregnancy test and said, don't, don't worry about praying anymore, I'm pregnant. Anymore. And uh, so God humbled me, and uh, that's our story. So thanks, guys. But hey, look, really excited. I, I suppose this morning, I want to talk to you about building better. And I know you've come up a series or a couple of weeks of talking about foundations and fixtures and finishes. And, and I suppose I want to kick off a little bit uh, and keep moving, I, I suppose, along the thought of building our lives to the better of what God has intended for us. You know, A.W. Tozer said this. He said, um, what we think of God is the most important thing about us. It, it's an interesting statement. It kind of says, you know, when we conjure up our thought of who God is, yeah. what God is in our life, 
What, what do you think of? I don't know, a, a lot of us sometimes might think that you know God's out to judge us, um, God's out to get us, um, God's distant. Maybe you know that God loves you. That's great, but it's the most important thing about our lives and what we think about God. Because of this reason, how we think is how we then position ourselves to receive from Him. What He will become of us. And what we believe to be true of God will then become true in our lives because all of a sudden faith begins to come to the format and said, if that is who God is, then maybe I can have that in my life. And so right from the beginning this morning, before we get into any content, examples, how we're going to apply things to our life, let me take a fresh one here this morning. God loves you. God wants you. He's got a plan for your life. I don't know what you're going through right now. It might be the greatest season of your life. It might be the most challenging season of your life. But what I do know is he sent Jesus Christ to make your life better, to make your life whole. That the deficit, the subtraction that the world might take from you, that the self, uh, I suppose, analogy of your world that says, you know, I'm not good enough, I don't have enough. You know what I've come to realise? I don't need more money. I don't need more things. I don't need a promotion. I don't need another holiday. I just need Jesus. And if I can position myself with him, he is. It sounds cliche, guys, but I've come to realise it is so true. He can be my everything. And if I am okay with him being my everything, then everything else follows naturally. Because it's not the motive of what I'm trying to achieve. It's who I'm trying to receive from in my life. So who's God here this morning? Come on. He's healer. He's blesser. He loves you this morning. But uh, let me pray real quick. God, we just acknowledge that you're our everything. We need you. I pray this morning that, God, we would leave here changed and different, not because of a word or a song, but, God, because we encountered you today. So, God, help us this morning that our eyes and ears and hearts be inclined to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's go, if you've got your Bibles this morning, uh, to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. Peter's writing uh, this. He hasn't yet been martyred, obviously, because he's writing. Uh, but he's in this moment uh, where he's beginning to, I suppose, lay some foundation to the church and say, hey, guys, there, there is a way to live that is beneficial to you, that brings blessing to you, but more than that, God is also trying to position you in what he's been saying through his grace, through his love, and through his care for you. And this is what he says in verse 4. Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. Verse 5. You also, you and I, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And go down to verse 9, it says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light, who once were not a people, but are now a people of God, who are not obtained mercy, but have now obtained mercy. I love this passage of scripture. You know, he goes on to talk about how Jesus is our chief cornerstone. Uh, the business that I'm a part of and the organization I'm part of is 
named Cornerstone. Uh, deliberately so, we're building and construction and uh, funds management. And we deliberately have that name because we want to consistently come back to the why of what we exist for. And that's building business, building lives, building foundations for the cause and effect of Jesus Christ in people's lives. And this is what Peter's saying. Peter's saying, hey, you once were lost. You once were uh, uh, separated from God. But God has called you out as a living stone. I mean, it's a weird analogy, right? A living stone. It's a living stone. I've never seen a stone walk up and talk. The Bible talks about, you know, if we don't praise and worship, then the rocks will cry out. There's this weird analogy going on in the Bible about rocks crying, talking, and being living. And uh, if you look at it, what God's trying to say to us is that there's a way that we are built up. God is in the business of building things. God's in the business of building things up in our life. You know, being in the building industry, and I know there's other guys in construction here as well. You know, when a house is finished or a structure is complete, I've never seen anyone walk up to a, to a building and go, wow, that's a really nice brick there. That, that one brick in that spot, right, I mean, it just sets the whole place alive. No one ever says that. You walk up and say, it's a great building. Oh, look at that great wall. It's a feature wall. It's fantastic. But, but all of a sudden, the Bible begins to describe us as living stones. God wants to build you. He wants to craft you. He wants to work on you. He wants you to allow him into your space and into the places of your life to refine you so that he can position you into the wall and the structure of the kingdom and the church of God on this planet. I'm like a game for me. What part do I play? I'm just living in Noosa, surfing, enjoying my lattes. I mean, come on, guys. I mean, no, you guys can't complain living here, right? I mean, I used to live in Melbourne. You can complain if you live in Melbourne, but not in Noosa. You might be saying, hey, you know, my life is in a different place. What can I do for God? He's trying to work out this season. Trying to work out my marriage. Trying to learn, like me some days, how do you raise a 16-year-old kid who wants to drive, has a job, plays AFL, and has a mind of his own? <laughs> Amen. So God, what, what is it that you want to do in me and of me? If God wants to see the purpose of your life come together, and, you know, there's this interesting scripture in 1 Kings uh, chapter 6, verse 7. I'll go there so you know that I'm preaching to you and telling the truth. Um, it says this, 1 Kings chapter 6, where they're building Solomon's temple. It's another analogy of, of, of stones. And the temple when it was being built was built with a stone finished at the quarry so that no hammer or chisel or any iron tool was heard in the temple while it was being built. Interesting thought. But sometimes in our life, and when they were building the temple of Solomon, they had such reverence for what the expression of Solomon's temple would become. Remember, this is the Queen of Sheba moment where she heard, she came and she saw the temple of what was going on, the finished product of the church, the meta-narrative picture of what the church would look like today was Solomon's temple. But then every stone that had been placed into those walls, the Bible tells us, had been crafted and chiseled away from so that no noise was on the work site. I mean, 
you've ever been near a work site, you go, yeah, can we do that? Uh, can we just have the, the word go on over there and then just place it in the wall? This is what happened. And it's this beautiful picture for us that sometimes God is just working on areas of our lives to build us up so that we can face it. The first thought, the first statement I suppose I want to make to us this morning is this. Allow God to build your life in the secret place and when life is silent. Sometimes we have moments in our life where we feel like nothing is going on. Have you been in that moment? It, it's kind of like, God, are you still there? God, are you still near? Did, is what you told me 10 years ago still true for me now? Hang on, God, I find myself in this place and in this moment, and, and I'm sure you spoke to me two months ago about being here, and then all of a sudden you realize that it's quiet and it's still. And there's this secret place in this moment where God begins to finish things in your life. He begins to come away and chip away and carve away things in your life that no one else knows about. I, I, I love it because... There's been moments of great men and women of God in our life that, um, you know, when we've had moments like this where it's been secret and still, that they've come and just come and spoken a gentle word, a word of encouragement. It might be in a moment of worship where God just gives you this perfect picture. Can I encourage you? Don't waste, rush those moments in life. Allow God to come and speak to you. Allow God to finish and fasten you in the secret, still places, in the pouring before he brings it out. I'm a big believer that God will do it in you privately before he elevates it publicly. And you know what? I think you can be okay with knowing that you're in the right season, the right time in every season, if you're constantly in that place of allowing God to come to you in your life. You know, I hate to admit it, but uh, when I was a teenager, you know, most people are out, uh, buying cars and dating girls. I was in a lapidary club and uh, 16. And you're like, what's a lapidary club? Yeah, that's what I thought as well. Um, and uh, lapidary is when they take stones and they make them into gems of wood, right? I think God was preparing me for a wife and daughter. And uh, it was good to say it only lasted two months, but I enjoyed it while it lasted. You know what the funny thing about lapidary is? is you get the stone and it spins on this wheel. And then you take the, the rock or you take the gem and you begin to apply pressure. You begin to apply pressure to that stone. And as you go, water is spinning around it and it just begins to carve out and take it off. You see the finish and you really take it back on and you keep going. And you know what? It's quite intense, right? It's quite intense, even though. And um, you, you then you, you just gotta get it perfect. You gotta get the shape, you gotta get the structure. And you just continue to move it bit by bit by bit. You know, spending many hours there finishing stones off. It's like, man, that's what my life is like with God. Sometimes it's just I feel like the wheels of life are just turning around and around and around. And it's like if I put my hand in God's life, uh, sorry, if I put my life in God's hand, He can just slowly turn. It's subtle, right? It, it's not abrasive, but sometimes He just comes and works on me. And encourages me. Can I just encourage you this morning? Allow the Holy Spirit, allow the uh uh of the Holy Spirit, allow the prompting of God just to come in your life and apply that pressure.
to work through things in your life. Don't be so quick. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. Are you all right this morning? Tell me if you like it. If you don't like it, tell someone at lunch today. Uh, but Romans chapter 5, verse 17. I love this scripture. It says, For if one man's offense, death reigned through one, much more those who received an abundance of grace. Say receive this morning. Receive in an abundance of grace. Come on. I mean, that just sounds good anyway. I want to receive an abundance of grace. Right? If you don't know what grace is, you can have it in abundance. But we'll get to that. And the gift of righteousness will reign in your life through the one, Jesus Christ. So receive it, and Jesus will reign in your life. The next verse, verse 18. Therefore... As through one man's offence, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in the justification of life. What it's saying there is, you know what? You don't have to get it right yourself. That because of Jesus, he put it right on your behalf. And all I need to do is have faith in that act and have faith in who he is and everything else can take care of itself, right, wrong, or indifferent. It doesn't mean I go on sinning or doing the wrong thing, but it means that the natural consequence of me having my attention and faith in Jesus is hopefully my life gets better. Hopefully my marriage gets better. Hopefully I become a better dad, and it does. You know what? My wife has this constant thing when she knows that I'm in a mood or maybe I'm not being the best husband. She says, have you read your Bible today? Have you spent time with Jesus? What have you got your eyes on? You know, it's probably the hardest thing to hear from your wife. She did this thing to me the other week where uh, it must have just been a tense week or probably stress going on or something. And she told the kids, she goes, every time Dad comes into the house this week, praying tongues are around him. <laughs> I didn't go home for three days. No. I can trust in God. Verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. And so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that through offence might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Oh, come on. Where sin abounds, where problems, circumstance, issues, situations abound, grace is actually there even more than that. I mean, that's a great promise. So that sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ. Here's the thought this morning. Your life will have fullness when it's established on Christ and not on yourself. If you want to build better, your life will have a sense of fullness when your life is built on Christ and not yourself. This is what I found myself doing as a father. Kids, you really got to apply yourself at prep. Because if you do well at prep, then you get into the good class in primary school. And then to my primary school kids, guys, come on. You gotta work hard, you gotta study hard, you gotta raise your hand at the right time, speak up in class, what? So then you can get the good classes in high school. And when you're in high school, right, and you, you apply yourself and you do it well, right, you get into those great grades, you might even get a you know, school-based apprenticeship, all that kind of thing. My son's in year 11 this year. Noah, come on, man. 
Yeah, two years. Pull the socks up. Right? Pull the socks up, mate. You need to work hard so you can get into those courses after school. If we get to uni, right? Oh, man, I've worked hard the last 12, 13 years of my life. Now I'm going to go again. Right? I'm going to keep working. And then you know what? And then I get to work, right? You get to work life. And if you work hard, and if you do well, and you perform well, and you do really good at that, then you'll get the promotion. Then you go on the career progression. I mean, I hear it all the time. So what do you want anyone? Oh, I really want to progress in my career. Right, can you just progress in life and, you know, iron your shirt this morning, mate? Like, come on. But here's the thing. The world has this way of telling us that we have to do it ourselves. That if I work hard, and that if I apply myself, and I do everything, me, 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 self, 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 self. The problem with self it involves me. Most of the good things that have happened in my life have not been a consequence of me. They've been a consequence of him and a consequence of other stones, other living stones that have rubbed up against my life, that I've been positioned in the wall to show and demonstrate the greatness and the grace of God in my life, trophies of God's grace that have come and ministered into my life. But you know what? I need to get myself off myself. I need to be Christ-focused, my attention to him. You know, we've got this thing in society now called the selfie. I mean, when you take a photo or you're in a photo, you know what I've noticed about these maybe it's just me. The first person you look like at when there's a photo of you in it is you. That's why I cut my hair off. So then I don't have to see how my hair was in the photo. Then I went to sing. You know, it's a selfie. You know, I have to work on me for a bit. I need some, some me time. You know, phrases like this, I need to go and find myself for a while. Or retreat in Noosa. I mean, this is what Brisbane Melbourne people do. I just need to work on me. You know, here's the self-help guy. To having a better life. You know the greatest self-help guy I've ever been, I've ever had, was getting off me and getting on him. It's a society of self. And Peter says in 1 Peter, he goes, you know what guys, don't build your life on you as living stones. Build it on the chief cornerstone of who God is. You know, King Saul in 1 Samuel says this in 1 Samuel chapter 15. Says that he was promoted of the God by God when he thought little of himself. Not little as in not confident, when he thought himself less. Because there's something by virtue of nature that when I think about me less, my eyes and attention are me. And that's why I love Romans chapter 5, because this is what it's saying. This is this one. One man disobeyed and got us into this mess. But the great thing is, the big man got us out of it. Not any works, not any action, not any obedience on you. You know the only thing you need to remain obedient in is because you know what? Well, if, if my salvation is based on whether I'm obedient or disobedient, guess what? I'm going to fail 17 times by the time I walk out of here today. The obedience God calls me through grace is to constantly have obedience of living and having faith in Him. So guess what? Take the pressure off this morning. Your life will be full when it is established on Christ and not at yourself. Colossians 2 verse 9. In him dwells all the fullness 
of God. All the fullness. Everything that you have and can have in God is found in Jesus. The last thing this morning to encourage you with. And Pastor Christian stole my line. Your life will be better together. As living stones, we come to this point where a brick or a stone itself, we build for the better. We need one another. We need Jesus. We need our attention on him. We need God to work on us individually. So sometimes it starts with us. It starts with Christ, but then it begins to grow and we need one another. Like I said before, is you know, there's no point looking at a wall and saying there's a great, there's a great brick. No, we look at the finished product. You know what the world is looking at, especially right now in the season that we're in. They're looking for the light. They're looking for the church to stand up and be a picture of who Christ is. Paul says in Galatians, there might be a reason the world's not flourishing because maybe we're preaching the wrong gospel. Maybe we're preaching the gospel of self. Maybe we're preaching the gospel of organizations. But if we can understand that we preach the gospel of who Jesus is, the true gospel, that he is Lord, he is Savior, he is friend, and that begins to stir and encounter on one, one another, then something changes. You know, this year, over the last 12 months, I think we've been in lockdown, isolation, all of these kind of things. The challenge with that is if the enemy can isolate you, then he'll begin to intimidate you. If he can separate you from people, right, that's when intimidation comes. As the Bible says, it says, gather together. There's strength in numbers, friend. There's strength in numbers. And in Proverbs 18, verse 1, it says this, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. Does it say that? You don't have people around you to make your life better. You know what? Some of the most frustrating people in my life are the people that make my life better. Why? Because of the things they say. And you know why they're frustrating? Frustrating to me? Because they're probably right. My wife frustrates me the most out of anyone. But she would tell me she's always right. <laughs> You know, the first five years of our marriage, I talk, she listen. The next five years, she talk, I listen. Now we both talk and the neighbours listen. <laughs> we need to do life together. You know what? God's raising this up. Like he says, the holy priesthood, a chosen generation, called of him, chosen as him, living stones, that we would be come together and be knit together. You know what? This church... This year, I believe, I was praying for you this morning. I believe God is calling you. God is calling you up to continue to be knit together. It's becoming a theme. I can hear it as you speak and you prophesy. You know what? This church this year, I'm praying and believing, and I'll be praying this year with you, is that your relationships go to a deeper level. That your impact and influence to the community goes to a whole other level. That not that people would see C3 Noosa as you, or, 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 or a vision or a title, but they would see Jesus Christ. I mean, come on, imagine if when people walk and drive past this street week in and week out, and they know that the church operates here, the first thing that comes to their mind is Jesus. And the first thing that comes to their mind is freedom. Come on this morning, friends. Come on. If we can find ourselves in that silent, secret place, allow God to work on our heart, 
If we don't think about self, but we focus on him, and we can do life together, I believe God can call us and build us to something so much better. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. For more life-changing messages, visit us online at c3noosa.org. If you've been blessed by this message, please consider partnering with us financially to see the work of God continue flourishing in and through C3 Church Noosa. God bless.